You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. And action. To the intro, babe. Hey, welcome to Holy Cannoli. This is Wendy Gapastone and my husband... Tony Gapasone is laying in the bed right next to her. It's almost <laughs> midnight. <laughs> we are talking about his series yeah, about just pastor started. confessions. Yep. Confessions this is going to be the second installment. Yeah. And as we were talking, I was like, I should interview you about being a pastor. And he's like, well, we could do that another time. And I was like, let's do it now. We were having pillow talk. Like for the past hour and a half, just laying, talking, kids have been long asleep. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a Friday night. And Wendy said, podcast time now. Get it. And I was just about to put my mouth guard in. (laughs) (laughs) Turn off the light. Snooze, that's right. All right, what made you, what's, what's inspiring you, babe? What do you want to talk about? Step one, it's Friday night. So can we all agree? Friday night is like, you know, the whole weekend's ahead. Yeah. So we could so stay we, up all night. Okay, maybe. That's so much better than Sunday night, right? Normally I do these on Sunday nights. That's what you're trying to say. You don't like doing the podcast no. on Sunday night. Mm-mm. Okay, cool. Bring it. I'm ready. We can sleep in at least till 8, 8.30 tomorrow. Okay. Okay. What you got? Um. So I just thought, like, <laughs> let me just ask you some questions about what it's like. Being a pastor. Confession time. Having been a pastor, like you launched out of college. Yeah. Straight into this career. My goodness. And granted, you've done a lot of other things at the same time. (laughs) At the same time. But it's been 20. Oh, my God. (laughs) You can't (laughs) say that in different contexts. So it's been like 20 years. 20, going on my 22nd. 22nd, yeah. Like fresh out of school sure. until mm-hmm. now. So yes. I'm sure that being a pastor has looked different mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. What did it look like when you were <laughs> 23? I didn't feel like it was real. You know, I was kind of, my first summer was an intern, right? So that didn't feel like it was quite official. And I was candidating for different jobs at the time. And that felt like, wow, if I actually got the job, then I'd be a pastor. I didn't ever really feel as if the the title did something for me. In fact, I think sometimes when people put the, like, Pastor Tony, I some circles and some churches really own that title of their pastors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I don't want that title because I feel in some way it puts me like in this superior place if mm. I'm honest, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, I'm Pastor Tony. Hi, shake hands. Hi, what do you think of my sermon? I don't like that as much. Mm-hmm. I just want to be Tony. I just want to be, you know, a regular old person because I think everybody can be a pastor in the quote unquote biblical way that we understand the calling or the role of pastoring is just helping people. It's shepherding them. It's caring about them. It's guiding them. And I think we all can do that. Maybe some people are better at it than others and some people get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes when I hear the title, I get a little bit like, Ooh, I want everybody to feel the the permission and the invitation to serve in that way. 
So you could just call everybody in a congregation pastor. <laughs> What's up, Pastor, pastor Wendy? Wendy? What's, What's up, up, Pastor Jim? There I should have started telling that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I'm pastoring with the Quest in Nevada, California, I should just start calling people pastor. That's good. You said you started as an intern. Is that a normal way to get into that job? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, my normal, I don't have a ton, even though I've been, quote unquote, doing it for so long. I think my context is probably narrow in some way because I hear, I just heard this guy, Stan Mitchell, who spoke with the Quest last week. He said at 27, he was leading a congregation of 8,000 people. Hmm. At 27, I was leading a a congregation of 50 (laughs) young adults, and I thought that was like amazing, right? So I don't know. I mean, I guess there is, um, most people go to seminary. I didn't go to seminary right away, but most people who want to be a pastor outright have that plan of, okay, they're in Bible school for undergrad and then they go to the seminary and then they get out of seminary and boom, they get a job right away normally, which confession. I think a lot of people right out of seminary don't know what the H they're doing and they Mm -hmm. get a congregation and they've been studying all these things. Even when I was in seminary, I was like, so grateful to be doing my job and to be learning about my job at the same time because there are people in my class who never had a pastoral role. They had maybe volunteered because in seminary, you you actually have to do an internship in seminary. That should be Right, at least for a semester or two. But I remember there were people in my class that I was thinking, like, these people don't have any social skills. And I felt bad saying that, but there are people who idolize that role so much. Like, I just got to get a, a master's of divinity and then I'm get a PhD. <laughs> Let's and I, not mock the <laughs> academics. No, I'm just saying they think that's what they need to get in order or to be, to a, be pastor, a pastor, but they don't have the connections or the relationships. Like, that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah. But that, that could be wrong, too. But there's such a weight put on a knowing, 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 and then a lot of people get their congregations. And they do a lot of work. Like some, I know pastors who spend 40 hours a week or 20 or 30 hours a week studying for that one hour on Sunday. Message. And they don't have time for people. Mm-hmm. And then they have people who are just disgruntled, which goes back to the expectations again. Because not one man or woman can do it all. You can't be a great, amazing teacher and a great counselor and a great people person and a great youth pastor and a great musician like that's the thing that really gets me is like uh, I, I I'm an okay talker speaker I like to talk I don't feel like I'm particularly funny I like to tell stories I feel like I'm a good storyteller mm-hmm. and I love meeting people and talking to people and I love helping people find their purpose and find their ability to serve. And I love helping people, mobilizing groups of people to do good, mm-hmm. like to serve, to create, to you know, live on mission, to make something happen. Like I love that. But I'm not a good counselor. I don't have marriage and family therapy, mm-hmm. you know, um, training beyond two classes that I took in seminary. Mm-hmm. I got the Holy Spirit so I can pray for somebody. <laughs> I can give you some coaching, help you make a decision, but I can't, I shouldn't be, I'm not a counselor. Right? And that's kind of the, benefit I would say to a larger staff sure because then you can have different roles with different pastors that are good at like a care pastor right is that even a title but sure. somebody who sure. is really good at the counseling piece visiting yep. people in the hospital piece yep. helping people walk through 
But that should be, see, this is where I go. That should be the normal everyday Joe, Josephine and Joseph. Mm. Like they're like unpaid. Yes. Yes. We should have the invitation for everybody to serve in their giftedness, but we've just made this monopoly, you know, this machine to be where, you know, you've got these huge churches that have 75 different pastors because you need someone to be paid to do all those things. Now that could work. It could work and it does work Mm -hmm. in some places, I think, but then I think it skews a little bit from and robs from the ordinary person serving their friend by listening to them or counseling them or pastoring them or whatever because we rather put it on someone who's paid. That's the frustration there. That is the, the confession. So what would the ideal pastor setup be? Oh my gosh, I don't know. You know, I guess it depends on the size yeah. of the church, yeah. but... I think having people who are, you know, that you know are good and at this and at mm-hmm. that and at this and having just a way and access to those various things, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, training and equipping people yep. to be the people on the ground that are yep. the counselors for each other. But, right. you know, some sort of leadership in that. Well, using our context now that my friend Matt and I have in Novato with the quest, we have this building and you hear our dog shaking back there. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Cubby? Oh, he's like, he's up now. <laughs> he's like, what's going on over oh, here? We podcast now. Here I am. Uh, so Matt and I have this, you know, we have a building and we have this 80 to a hundred person congregation. We're both part time. And it's just so funny. Um, like we have to take out garbage and bring in the garbage and uh, we have to, we don't have a facilities person. So we're doing facilities stuff or enlisting, you know, this awesome woman, Irma, who um, cuts the grass and waters the grass. And this guy, Doug and, and Brian, who, who's organized a shed and paint and stuff. And this guy, John, who does electrical and everyone volunteers. It's actually really, really beautiful. And at the same time, like, you know, I'm also, Matt's doing, the youth pastoring stuff. I'm doing this pizza lunch thing. <laughs> it's such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we are talking about is how can we utilize that building? Uh, we have two extra office spaces to maybe invite other people in who have services that our church could benefit from. Like what if we could hire earn a hire, but rent out our office to a spiritual director or to a counselor? Or what if there was a... A local nonprofit that was doing some sort of coaching or life train, life skills training, or something like mm-hmm. that. They could actually use our building on top of the AA group that uses the building, the um, Food Anonymous group that uses the building, the preschool. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of something I get excited about. Thinking like, all right, how can we expand our understanding of the roles of the church and the things the church is supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So it's not just on myself or Matt or whoever. And I, I care about that for any pastor, really, because um, the statistics aren't good. They're not in our favor. What, did, what are you talking about? Pastors, pastors burning out, pastors mm. being healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of scandals, the amount of pastors who have affairs, the amount of pastors who have breakdowns, mm-hmm. the amount of pastors who... Um, do make bad choices with money, the amount of pastors who whatever fill in the blank because it's, it's like any job, right? I mean, that's what we talked about in the first episode. I was just kind of 
riffing on the the job. If you're a healthy person in a healthy job, great. But if you're an unhealthy person in an unhealthy job, it's a recipe for disaster. And the same, it's it's the same thing in like the tech world or the teaching world or Hollywood. It's mm. all like jobs, and you have to be able to take care of yourself. But for whatever reason, in you know the church world, we have these really high expectations in. Uh, on the people who are in ministry and it gets to a place where if you don't recognize that, if you don't point to other people to partner with you, it's like the spiral, you know, just down. (laughs) (laughs) The spiral is down. The spiral is down. You can quote me on that. (laughs) Hmm. So what would you say to pastors listening right now uh, who all are like five of you all you five <laughs> pastors who are feeling kind of like bound by mm-hmm. um the numbers thing i think mm-hmm. is a big thing like right? growing growing your churches yes. getting more people in there yeah and um satisfying mm-hmm. people who are upset about a variety of things well let's talk about so, the numbers thing first just to talk yeah. about that uh, um, somebody messaged on, I didn't get permission to say it, but somebody, so I won't name names, um, but I appreciate hearing from you all uh, on the Facebook group or in email and stuff, but just talked about the challenge of feeling like you are a number, right? Mm-hmm. And so your congregant who has been invited or recruited mm-hmm. in some way to come to a Sunday gathering and you're, oh, you're a part of this thing that seems like it's a family and there's movement and growth. And and then all of a sudden something happens and you stop going and then you don't hear from anybody. Uh, that is a problem for us as pastors. And I admit that, a confession, because we want the church to grow for good reasons. Mm-hmm. We want people's lives to be changed. We want people to find hope and connection and family. We want people to find, to be engaged. Because when people are engaged, when people get up in the morning and they know why they're alive, when they feel they're here on this earth, that's why this podcast exists. Like, why are you here? When you mm-hmm. know that, ah, the world is a better place. And I truly believe the church, not just meaning a Sunday gathering in a building, but the church, the people of God, we have this great responsibility to help people and to nurture them. Mm -hmm. So pastors for good intentions want their gatherings to grow because that is some indication that that is happening, that good things are happening, that God's kingdom is truly expanding. The challenging part, the unhealthy part is those numbers also result in money and, and getting our bills paid and Mm -hmm. helping our benefit packages (laughs) stay big. (laughs) And when people leave, uh, that money goes with them. Mm -hmm. It's a, it could really be a beast. It could really be that devil on the shoulder type of experience where it feels like you're, you're hearing that you're not good enough because people are leaving or you don't have the the great programs to keep parents with children in, Mm -hmm. you know, in tow. And that's just like this, it's just the spiral again. It's like, it, it's hard. I don't really know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. I think we pastors and leaders of churches have to be, should be more honest about that. We should also 
recognize that sometimes having so many different ministries to try and meet everyone's needs is the beginning of the end. Some churches, like even our little church, I'm trying to figure out, Matt and I are trying to figure out, like, we can't do everything. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to do, like, start community groups. We're trying to do social justice. We're trying to do this and trying to do that and trying to do that. And it's just a little bit overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know. Um, sometimes it's better just to go, okay, what are the three things we can do? We can meet on Sundays. Boom. All right. We can offer a group to meet in the house during the week. Boom. And we can offer this youth group thing. Boom. That's all Mm -hmm. we can do. And then, like you're saying, then with that comes the risk of people going, well, that doesn't meet the singles ministry that I need, so I'm out of here. And that doesn't meet the... Yep. Yeah. But you can only do what you can do. Yeah. And then we should be okay with that. And if people are leaving, that means the money's leaving too. Okay. So numbers, numbers, numbers. If we're not making enough money to pay the bills, then then that's where you lay people off. And that's why I go about sometimes, you know, ideally maybe it is better to have churches just all be volunteer, just meet in homes, right? And utilize your communities, have real jobs, good, I mean, not real jobs because pastor has real jobs too, but have a, a other jobs and let your overflow time be your church in kingdom, you know, experiences and view your work at Google or in a school or a coffee shop or whatever you're doing as the mission of God in your life. Mm-hmm. So I know that gets messy and it, it I don't know, it, it jacks a little bit of even what I'm doing now, but I think I, I'm trying to be honest to, to recognize like to, to do the things that we're doing as, and I say institutional church no matter what size you are, if you are incorporated, you're an institution. <laughs> you can't help it. We, mm-hmm. The quest is an institution. We, we have, you know, I had to do um, state-mandated sexual harassment training because I'm an employee of mm-hmm. this church. Mm-hmm. I have to register, you know, to get my check automatically deposited. It is a business. So with that said, anytime I say the word institutional church, I'm not just talking about the church that's a mega church in Chicago, Illinois, 25,000 people. I'm talking about any church that pays its pastors, takes money. It's a business. So numbers are going to have to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And unless you disassemble everything and everyone's a volunteer, it will always yeah, be a thing. It's got to be an yeah, issue. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So you said, let's talk about numbers first. What was yeah. the second thing that we were rewind what were you going to say mm-hmm. you said what would I say to pastors about numbers and money what else do you want to ask what could I say to pastors who I guess are... about the burnout the living under yeah it's hard I mean I, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm grateful for a part-time pastor job because I'm literally limited I could not be in this place, you know, more than part-time mm-hmm. uh, I you know I live an hour and away so in some way it helps me, you know, because I have to say no to being uh, present at certain times or certain meetings or to meet with people. So I'm there when I'm there. But when you're with a church and there's expectations for you to show up and to be there every every potluck, at every wedding, at every memorial, at every kid's graduation, it is sometimes unbearable. And I think it's really important for pastors and leaders, men and women who have these roles to be able to communicate to people that you can't do it. You're not superhuman. Uh, it's actually important to let people know you're probably going to let them down. 
mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we were just talking about this parenting, right? Like one thing, <laughs> one thing I always think about is if I could do anything as a parent, it's this one thing. I hope I can be humble enough to tell my kids when I mess up mm-hmm. and let them know and anticipate it. Because if they think I'm always going to be perfect dad, that's a recipe for heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, telling them to expect heartbreak, I think in some way is a mm-hmm. good thing because I'm trying to say I'm human. I'm going to need their forgiveness and I'm probably going to have things that you're going to hurt me too, you know? So, you know, like figuring out a, a relationship on any human level is challenging. So I think the idea for pastors to avoid that burnout is just to acknowledge your humanity, to have good boundaries, to say no a lot, and also to, like, one of our best jobs, I think, as pastors is to help people connect with each other, Mm -hmm. to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing everything, you're always the person people call for help, you're the first response, It's, it's unhealthy. Set up your church community to know that everybody in that gathering space that has the Holy Spirit, I believe everyone has access to the Holy Spirit, can do the work of God. And sometimes it's actually a great thing to think about is to work yourself out of a job. I mean, no pastor wants to do that because they need the paycheck and they need food on their table. (laughs) But thinking about like, could I work myself out of a job by equipping people enough that they are self-sufficient in the power of God to do the work of God. That's actually really cool. Like in some way I go, I get excited about that thinking if I can disciple people, truly help mm-hmm. people become more and more like Jesus, live more and more like Jesus. They're doing the work of God that I'm not as needed to do all that stuff for this one congregation. It's pretty cool. That makes me wonder what I, it'd be interesting to talk to some people of different generations with mm-hmm. what they're, expectations of what a pastor should be because I'm thinking like even when you started 20 something years ago I feel like it might be different than what what a 20 year old might be thinking a pastor would do for them yeah at this point in their lives like are they expecting you to come to the hospital I don't think so, 20-year-olds. But yeah, different generations are, though, for sure. Right. Right? I mean, that could be a gross assumption. But what we know about millennials Mm -hmm. is a lot of younger teen 20-somethings, they don't want the slick performance. Mm -hmm. They don't want the pastor who has all the answers. Mm -hmm. They, They are looking for pastors to be transparent with their doubts, to actually elevate doubts. They're also looking for justice. Are you going to be talking about things like Black Lives Matter? Are you going to be talking about LGBT inclusion? And if not, boom, they're out of there. Mm-hmm. Now, older generation. Now we're in our forties, so we're the Gen Xers. You know, we we were a part of a lot of church failure, <laughs> you know, trying to be like the candle uh, emerging church worshipers. Like, let's have things at nighttime. Let's make mm. it like in, you know. So we tried all these things. We were very experimental, and some of them stayed, and some of them didn't. Uh-huh. Um, but. I remember when I first started, you know, my official ministry position, I was told that my looks, not my physical appearance, but my clothes weren't good enough. Like they bought me clothes Mm -hmm. so that when I stood up on a Sunday, I was wearing 
a suit and didn't have holes in my jeans, that kind of thing. Now I could totally wear shorts and a t-shirt mm-hmm. and it would be acceptable on a Sunday. I mean, there's still communities where that right, wouldn't. That wouldn't. But yeah. I think we've come a long way in, you know, I guess I guess in California there's a lot more freedom, but mm-hmm. in other places I'm sure there's not. Like I know I still have friends who wear a stole, like the uh-huh. the banner around them and the robes and that kind of thing. Um, so I think there is I'm sure there's a lot of that out there yeah, still. Regional so I don't know what the heck I'm differences. talking about. I'm talking out my butt. <laughs> 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 no, but that's I, interesting. I'm thinking, so when you're saying what the 20-somethings are looking for, I'm wondering, are they wanting a relationship? Are they wanting coffee with you? Or are they like, how about you just lead us in justice and be mm-hmm. relevant and talk authentically fr- from who you are? But you yeah. could be on the stage I don't necessarily need to be your your friend, buddy. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I I still feel like a lot of people want relationships, but people are different, right? There's pe- people have different needs, so I can't make an overall assumption about all twenty somethings or all teens. I mean, I think at every human level, people need relationships. Some people need one or two or three, and some people need ten or fifteen or fifty five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, but I think I'm, I'm sure at one point there was the expectation that that pastor could do it all. The pastor should be an amazing speaker on mm-hmm. Sunday and the pastor should be taking appointments every hour on the hour during the week, you know, mm-hmm. premarital counseling, teen counseling, doing all that stuff. I mean, there is like a ton of evidence and story of that. That was actually a part of what it meant to be a pastor back in the day. And then staff started to grow to diversify uh-huh. right? and they would get the teaching pastor and that person would be really great with all the stories but they'd be horrible with the people so keep them in the pulpit <laughs> but don't send them out <laughs> on don't have office coffee hours. times yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so I think you know I'm I'm best at coffee <laughs> let's yeah, do, you'll let's go do out coffee. coffee let's talk I'm happy to talk I don't ever do premarital counseling not my thing um, I do a lot of weddings. Haven't you done premarital counseling? Not, or you're like I'm not into it now? Bare minimum. I'm, okay. I've met with people like uh, very informal. And I always tell people like, I am not an MFT. I know okay. I always would direct people to the right people uh-huh. if they wanted premarital counseling. Like there's people the pros. who they do that. I yeah. do not. But I'd say, sure, I can talk with you. I can like go through a book. It's not my favorite thing to do. It's not. Like, mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work for me, but I love doing weddings and I love talking to people about marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's hard and work and have fun and be on. You know, like I love getting over coffee. You guys, the the reason why you just said it that way <laughs> is because this is an inside thing between the two of us. Because anytime <laughs> I attend a wedding, confessions that Tony officiates, <laughs> I feel like he really nails home. <laughs> The fact that marriage is hard work oh and, you gosh. know, this is a great day. We're uniting these two people and da, da, da. You guys, it's hard. <laughs> and he'll just go off I on that, that point. Home. And then I feel like a ton of eyes turn to like, who is his wife that is making his marriage so hard? I don't communicate <laughs> it like that is your fault. I always just try to communicate it as... Wake up call. It's not always the honeymoon. Like the, it's work. You have to compromise. You have to ask for forgiveness. You have to figure out how to load a dishwasher. 
<laughs> the right way. Hint. Hint, hint. That's definitely <laughs> something we talk about around here. Well, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but Wendy is a master Whoa. of dishwasher loading. And I think I just load it however I want to, and it's fine. And most times she comes and says, could you just move these plates over here, over there? And honestly, it's better. Like She can just look at it and solve the puzzle better than I can. And I have to get over it. But sometimes I just want to load it how I want to, shut it, and press the button. Side note, I don't think I ever say, can you just do this? I'll just move things from one place to another to fit more stuff in. Unspoken. But while I'm right there, sometimes you'll say, can we just put this one here? Because it'll... it'll It'll open up some more space <laughs> for the mugs. That happens. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It does happen. See how hard it is, guys? It's hard. You guys. Oh, my gosh. We are gathered here okay. together. Confessions of a pastor. That is a thing, too, right? It's a thing where there were, there are expectations that you have the perfect marriage and you have the perfect kids. And I... I'm way more drawn to pastors who talk about, like, you know what? Like, it's hard. My wife and I have to work on stuff. Or we went to counseling, and if we had more money, we'd still go to counseling because <laughs> we need help. We need help. counseling is amazing. It's amazing. To someone to sit there and you listen. Guys, go to And counseling. observe and give you ideas and help you make good decisions and compromise. Like, we, we need that help. Uh, and I think sometimes too... Many pastors stand behind a pulpit and tell other people how to live their lives. And that's really, again, not a healthy place to live. I think I'm more into, like, tell me how you failed. Tell me how you've grown. Tell me how you dealt with your insecurities. (laughs) Tell tell me how you feel awkward. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I think I shared on this podcast already, but a couple weeks ago (laughs) when I was speaking at The Quest, I was talking about how we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And and one of the reasons why I think it's cool that he's called the comforter is that we're meant to be uncomfortable. And I was just saying how I spend a lot of my life feeling uncomfortable and that makes me always want to like clench my butt cheeks, right? And I said that out loud in the message, which I've said before out loud on either this podcast or a live video or something. And afterwards, Matt was like, don't ever say butt cheeks in a message again. Oh my gosh. Or on a podcast, I said, I'm going to say butt cheeks as much as I dang want to because that's real. Like I, that is my thing. I, I do feel awkward a lot. Now I can feel my whole body clenching when I'm in a situation where someone's a close talk or someone's just like asking weird things of me or saying things that I just don't know how to respond to. I'm like, ah, and I'm not the kind of, I'm not the kind of person that just say like, Hey, I'm out of here. I I would try to find a way to help this person move forward in some way, either away from me (laughs) or to deal with their issue. And, you know, anyways, all that to say, pastor's confession, we're real, we got issues, and sometimes our kids are gnarly, and sometimes our kids don't like Sunday school. (laughs) (laughs) I am a pastor who has three kids, two of which refuse to go to Sunday school. Which is no fault of anybody. That's right. It's just how it is. It's just how it is, right? (laughs) So, So in some contexts, 
a pastor with two kids who don't get up during the children's time to go <laughs> could be looked at like, oh, what are they doing with their kids? And I just feel as if we don't really care what people think in that way. Like what's best for our kids right now is they feel comfortable and safe. And it's not like they don't feel comfortable or safe in the kids program where wherever we are. It's just they're a little bit more reserved and they need what they need. And so we're trying to give them that little bit of um, – decision-making permission, power yeah. over their own lives and bodies. Uh, so I just think I that's just so see it funny. as like, this is a battle. I'm not... You don't want to fight. fight. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's other issues that were on it, but that and like, it's fine. Whatever. That would be a whole great conversation is Sunday school. With that, mm. we try to get some pastors on here. I've messaged a few of my friends, and no one's biting yet. <laughs> <laughs> I told them they could uh, do it anonymously, not like their voice would be like, <laughs> not like we'd change all, voice, yeah. alter them, but we'd actually read things that they would write in anonymously. So if you want to oh, do right, that's great. like, hi, I'm reading from Pastor Janine in Wisconsin a.k.a. nobody you're ever going to know. So I would do that. So if you would like to share any of your stories or awkward moments or frustrations and confessions, my pastor friends, please send them in to me. And we I'll read them won't anonymous. say your names. We won't, we won't right. say Pastor Janine. Exactly. I was saying a fake a.k.a. Name. anonymous person. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. So you can make up your own alias. It could be whatever you want, Captain Marvel. Um, I want to talk about Sunday School. Okay, that would be an interesting topic. I want to talk yeah. about money, also known as tithing, okay, giving, passing the plates. Um, I want to talk about um, Christianese. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. A whole confession podcast on like reading. We should read like we should Google a bunch of Christian slangs and sayings. See how much everybody knows, yeah. or how much we know. Yeah, yeah. Matt and I were talking about how oh, there's... We should get Matt. Uh, I got to have Matt on here for sure. <laughs> Again, for the seventh time. Um, we were talking about how there's built, uh, rooms in the church building that just have crazy names like the Narthex. Yeah. Like what? what, what Narthex sounds like planet from Star Trek. Like what? why do we need it to be called the sacristy? You know? <laughs> like these things that we... The, every church has a fireside room. It's a room with a fireplace in it, right? The fellowship hall. Anyway, uh, what else should we talk about that we need people to send in? You can also, you don't have to be a pastor. You could be, have been a volunteer. So volunteers, oh, that's a great, yeah. we can talk about volunteer oh. confessions. Yeah. Like being a volunteer in the church world is hella tough. Recruiting or being in charge yeah, of volunteers. Yeah, being in charge. children's ministry. Maybe even just showing rough. up to a volunteer opportunity and you think it's one thing. And then all of a sudden it turns out to be something different. You're like, um, I just signed up to bring brownies. (laughs) (laughs) I just signed up to bring brownies, not play a game. (laughs) Uh, So that would be fun. I'd love to hear some funny stories of volunteering. I have also, here's another topic for confessions is church romance. Boom, boom, boom. We had a church romance, but Oh, you're not talking about like staff. You're I'm talking like about people, people who are part of a hook church. Up and sh- yeah, hook who up. don't say hook I up. I mean, well, people hook well, up in the church. That's true. <laughs> hook up. I'm talking about just relationships that start in youth group or dating someone on staff. We know many people who have dated and married people yeah. we've worked with, and they turn out great. And we've totally. known things that haven't been so great. I was telling Wendy uh, before we started 
you know, when I was a single guy, I was very clueless. I just wanted to help everybody. And, you know, I didn't care who you were, what your gender was. I was like, cool, if you want to be a part of this, awesome. And then all of a sudden, I would find myself in weird positions where people thought, like, I was expressing love or interest in that. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not interested in you. I'm just trying to help you find your spiritual gift. <laughs> you are so clueless, oh babe. I say that in such an endearing way because... Early on, I mean, you're attractive guy, mm. single, Ooh. you're like... Recipe for... You were leading people that were Hell. basically your age, yeah. maybe one or two years younger. Yes. And um, so I think there was a lot of crushes happening on you, like people were crushing on you. Sorry, And everybody. you Sorry. did not know. I... I was like, isn't it so obvious that she... You know, and you're like, I'm going to go. I said I'd drive her to whatever. I'm like, you're driving her there? Do you know? Like, she That's stupid. is I was crushing. Just so stupid. And you're so sweet. And you're like, yeah, well, she needs a ride. I'm like, if she goes in your car, she's going to feel oh, gosh. like. Yeah, so dumb. I just did things like that. Now, like, kind of 20 years later, they have policies. Like, they say. Men should not drive women alone in the car. Now that's a you whole other topic. Your voice. <laughs> that's my institutional <laughs> rule, church policy voice. I don't know. Um, Some of those are really smart. They are. I, they are. Well, that's a whole other topic, though. We could talk okay, about because that's okay. caused the Billy Graham rule has caused a lot of shame amongst women. Oh, the Billy women. Graham rule. I yeah. meant like safe church, like children's. Yes. No. Well, well yes. A, an adult shouldn't drive a teen. By themselves, but there are rules too. Some churches have where you shouldn't meet with a woman one on one, even if you're the same age. You can't crack the door open because there could always be something that could happen. But there's a whole conversation around that that you know women then feel like they're the temptress, and they're Billy Billy Graham had a rule right like in yeah. his hotels, and all of a sudden it's like every woman is a temptation now. So I get it. It's nuanced. It's complicated. It's just part of our our weird, you know thing that we have going on here. Our weird oh, but back to, so, so So the relationship things, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about those things. Um, obviously, it's a spectrum, so I get it. Things are um, scandals from, from scandals to light and platonic friendships, right? But I've, I had one thing that I had one time where we were praying in a circle with um, mixed crowd of genders and uh, a woman said I caressed her hand in prayer and called me out on it and I was like um oh my gosh I probably did like because you know we do the thing like amen squeeze squeeze right uh-huh. you know that's a thing people do after you say amen it's like you squeeze the person's hand to say let your sweaty palm off me whatever and she thought I was coming on to her I'm like oh my gosh so just stuff like that I think is it's a topic of conversation. We must talk about this. Okay. Is that it? I think so. I thought we were going to be a little more structured, but we were kind of all over the place. Well, it's so, no joke. Sorry, everybody. This. It's now 1239. Wow. Midnight 1239. We're going po- to record a few more podcasts before we go to bed I doubt tonight. that, honey. Um, but I like the idea. I like the idea of getting some people. I would say I'm curious to know people who are kind of outside of the church culture who aren't super familiar mm. with how things work. Mm. 
you've got some questions <laughs> about like, wait, what does that mean? And how does that work? I'd love to hear that. And then just people who either have grown up in the church or have been a part of a church. Well, back up. For do you think, is there anybody out there who's never been into a church building before? Ever, ever, ever. I would love to hear from that person. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. To get that. What's yeah. your perception? Because the movies, the movies do a great job, honestly. Movies and t- TV shows do a great job <laughs> oh my gosh. communicating what church cultures are because there's all different sorts. There's all That's different. That's true. With over 300 denominations plus, I'm sure. There's something for everybody. Yeah. You know, so you seen something on TV, it really exists, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then those who have just been like, not on staff, but just mm-hmm. somebody who has participated. Yeah, just comes on a Sunday, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, what kind of, um, I don't know, either baggage they have about what they think doesn't work well mm-hmm. or what they want to know more about. I think just as we have had friends throughout the years who are not on staff, we have a lot of friends that have been on staff with us. And so those conversations are always great and lively because <laughs> it's very behind the scenes yeah. and very like, Oh my gosh, we could talk freely about X, Y, and Z. And then, um, people who are not, you know, aren't behind the scenes, aren't on staff yeah. are often surprised to know oh yeah, some of the inner workings sure. of like, wait, that happens when you're on staff and yeah. what? Like That's because just, people have an expectation, right? That if you work with a church, everything is great happy, and golden happy. and you're really yeah. good friends with everybody and nobody fights behind the <laughs> scenes. <laughs> no uh, meeting would ever get heated. Yeah. Right? Oh, heated meetings. We can talk about <laughs> heated meetings for sure. <laughs> For sure, for sure, for sure. Oh, that's so funny. Behind the scenes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun to get some other people on here and just um, see their perspective. Of yeah. What If they're part of a church of 10,000 or if they're part of a church of 50, you know, what yeah. kind of experiences they've had. Yeah. Because you just have, we just have our experience. Sure. But. From the smoke machines <laughs> to the ukuleles, <laughs> worship right. services. To the all acapella, Bring it all. That's no right. instruments. Aren't there denominations that yeah. are oh, for no sure. instruments? Yeah, are. yeah, Christ Church, I believe. They just do acapella singing. Vocal, yeah. yeah. I think instruments are sinful or something. I don't know. Yeah. We are so nuts sometimes. <laughs> the things that we draw the lines on. Oh, my gosh. I think that would be funny, too. Just other funny stuff. Okay, we're, it's getting too late. I think I shared the story one time when I was getting prayed for to get tongues. I was uh, getting slapped. I'm slapping my forehead. I was getting slapped on the forehead. Talk about Christianese. Prayed for to get tongues. Yeah. People so are like, what What are does you that talking? mean? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So the lady told me, put your hands out. I put my hands out. She's patting my hands, like slapping my hands. She's like, just let it flow. And then she's like slapping my forehead. I'm like, oh, nothing's coming. She's like, just wait. Let's like a faucet. I'm turning the faucet on. Just start saying Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and supposedly it's supposed to come out. It's supposed to come out like that. Like that's yeah. what was waiting. It never happened. I never got a holy prayer language ever. Ever. I tried hard. Yeah, I yeah. really tried hard. Years. Totally. Tried. Did you ever get it? No. <laughs> and I can't say I tried hard because yeah. I don't think I've uh, ever. I was zealous, honey. I was earnestly oh. zealous. 
I knew you. <laughs> I knew you when, babe. Oh my gosh. All right, let's end it with this <laughs> this last thing. I had a friend who was super wanting me to have tongues. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's there's parts in the Bible where it is described that people would pray in a heavenly language, a language that wasn't like Spanish or Greek or Arabic or whatever. They'd pray in something that could only be interpreted by a miraculous understanding where someone would hear what you would say and then say, she said this because the spirit supposedly would tell you what it was. So, and it a, does kind of sound like which is kind of fun to do that uh-huh. actually. So, whether it's real or not, just do it. It's kind of meditative. Shantarala <laughs> soda fanta angina. Just start okay. saying soda. Keep going with your Am story. I being heretical? I don't know. Maybe somebody's gonna oh, be upset I'm at sorry. that. Sorry, it is fun though. Uh, so I was on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> with this friend and she was super about me getting tongues and uh-huh. I was, I'm totally open for it I'm, I'm not going to say her name because anyway and I was on the roller coaster I was like yelling like I was like this is so fun yeah and we got off the roller coaster she's like that is the beginning of tongues right there I was like <laughs> I was screaming, going upside down on a roller coaster, Great America. I was like, "That's the beginning of tongues," and she walked away like super confident, like you're gonna get it tonight. Didn't get Whoa. it. Didn't get it. But do I still love Jesus? Yes, I do. Is it possible? Yeah. Do to... I still love the Bible? I, I love that Bible. <laughs> do I still love the oh, church? Okay, okay. I love the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Okay, this guy needs to go to bed. <laughs> Latter Day Saints. <laughs> All right. I love every church. I do. I do. There's good things and bad things in every church out there. So if I've ruffled a feather or 10, just know that I'm human. (laughs) And uh, so are you. And we're all going to figure this out together somehow. Um, I'm saying these new statements that this is how I understand it from the best of my ability right now at this day and time. I might be wrong totally be wrong. I might change my mind someday as well. If I get tongues, I'm going to change my mind and say I got tongues. Um, But I hope that this helps you in some way. That's the goal, is trying to help people navigate through the sacred and strange of life, find out why you're here, who are you, and why you're here, and I hope in some way this helped you. Is that good enough? That's great. Good night. Bye. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.